Hi everyone, my name is Carrie Witcher, and you too can be a Marketplace Multiplier because Marketplace Multipliers equip all Christians to influence their workplace and integrate their faith by making disciples and unleashing the Kingdom of God wherever they are. Welcome to Episode 3 of the Marketplace Multipliers Podcast. I'm Jeff Clark, the Associate Head Basketball Coach at Indiana Wesleyan University. In this episode, you'll hear an update from Wayne Schmidt. General Superintendent of the Wesleyan Church, on how he's seeing this movement of God gain momentum across the country and around the world. For more information, go to MarketplaceMultipliers.com. Then, Dr. Wafa Hanna will join Dave Dure to talk about her journey of marketplace ministry from Egypt to Detroit. Her pastor, Santis Beatty, will then join to share his insight and vision for ministry beyond the walls of the church. joined again by General Superintendent Wayne Schmidt. Wayne, uh, listeners listened to episode one two weeks ago, but it was recorded pre-COVID. There's been six or seven months since we actually recorded that. So why don't you start with just giving an update of of what you've seen happen with marketplace multipliers over the past half of a year? Well, since COVID, a lot of things have been put on hold, but that is not true of marketplace multipliers. I mean, literally, Jeff, every week we are having new chapters in local churches sign up and new marketplace multipliers are emerging and stepping in and getting involved. And it's starting to spread globally as well. I mean, just in recent conversations, we've been talking with Asia Pacific and what it would look like across the countries of Asia Pacific. That's over half the world's population in that region. Or we've been talking with Spanish uh, speakers in both North America and throughout Ibero-America, throughout the world. And they're trying to figure out, how do we contextualize this for us? So what I love about this is it started out, you know, as such a little mustard seed, just this little kingdom endeavor, and it is starting to spread to the ends of the earth. Yeah, it's really amazing to see the vision come to life. And in episode one, you talked a little bit about the kingdom force. Speak more again to those who haven't listened to what you mean by kingdom force. Yeah, a kingdom force, and we describe it with these words, multi-generational, multi-ethnic, multi-economic, women and men, lay and clergy. We believe the greatest witness comes when a whole variety of people, you know, generationally, ethnically, uh, economically, women and men, and and lay and clergy come together. That just since to highlight our unity is not in the fact we're all the same. Our unity is found in Jesus Christ. And today's guest, Wafa Hanna, a medical doctor, really lives this out in such a powerful way. I think listeners will hear her passion for people of all backgrounds uh, as she communicates how she both integrates and influences for Christ in her workplace. Absolutely. Wafa is from Egypt originally. She has this heart for the peoples of the world. And she's located in Midtown Detroit. In fact, she and her husband were founding members of what's called Mosaic Midtown Church. The pastor there now is Santis Beatty. And that is a kingdom force church. All of the realities of ethnic variety and economic variety, etc., are part of that church and part of Wafa's daily practice as a medical doctor. It really strikes me as I hear you talk and I think through these interviews that 
Wafa's faith is not separating her from the world, but it's actually taking her right into the midst of some really messy situations. And, and that's where she finds a lot of passion. She sure does. And, and she does it in such a winsome way. You know, doctors sometimes get this rap about their bedside manner, but she's like the opposite of what people normally say. She just loves and encourages and who she is as well as her medical expertise really comes through. And by the way, Jeff, Wafa serves on the governing board of the Wesleyan Church. And so she really is at the highest governance level of our whole church. And I see her in action in that setting, doing the same thing, speaking with insight, but always the encourager to people she's interacting with. So she's obviously well along in her journey in really integrating her faith and influencing people from all backgrounds. But but briefly, before we get to the interview, talk to that person who wants to take that step forward and doesn't want to just separate and only find their faith in the church, but wants to bring it to the marketplace. What's the next step? Yeah, I think what we can learn from Wafa is be genuinely interested in people and be a good listener. I think anytime we start something new, we we tend to think, okay, what expertise do I have? What do I need to say? And I think we can learn from Wafa. It's not so much about what we're talking about, but how we're listening, how we're interested, and how that validates people and opens doors for wonderful conversation. First of all, could you just give me an idea of a little about yourself and your context and your your work? Okay. Um, I basically uh, hired by Bowman, so I'm a physician. I don't own my own practice. I work for Bowman, which is a big, huge company, uh, on so many hospitals. Um, I've been practicing for in America for almost 30 years. Uh, I am not planning to retire right now. I have been asking this question a couple of times this year. It's interesting. My practice is kind of uh, really unique. We are seven physicians in the office. And they think that I am a magnet for the minority. And when I say minority, you name it. It's like uh, Muslims, uh, foreigner that's not that doesn't have to be Middle East, uh, gays, lesbian. You name it. They think I'm a magnet. And I love it. I love it. So they think that because people are showing up that are all kinds of people and and asking for you or they've heard about you? Yeah. You know, for us to to get to see one of us, they have to call and make an appointment as a new patient. So nowadays, patients do their own search and they find about you before they come to see you. So my population uh, that requests to be my patient has a good amount of, of, of diversity, as I call it, uh, than any other physician in the office. And I'm proud to say that. I love it. Tell me a bit of your background. Where are you from? Um, what was kind of your, your history that brought you to your area? Well, I am from Egypt. I studied medicine in Egypt, graduated there, did my residency started my own private practice and my family has been here for years i am the last one to join i was actually resisting to come to the states 
my husband and I, Rafat, planted a church in Egypt and we were so committed to stay with them. But we felt the call to come here. So we came here. I have to do the final exam over all over again for the medical school. I have to redo my residency again and then take my boards. And then I started. How did you integrate your faith and your work there in Egypt before you even came here? It's a very interesting question because it is really difficult in Egypt. You know, it's mostly Islamic uh, country. So you can't share your faith openly. But I can tell you two points about that. You can share who you are. And that can attract people to ask you questions. And even if you get asked this kind of question in Egypt, you have to be a little bit indirect. But people can be attracted if if they feel that you really love them and care for them, regardless of who they are or what's their background. And I think uh, that's the main thing for me. I, I just love people. I love community. So you moved to, to the United States, to Michigan. Talk to me about the transition from being a doctor in Egypt and being a Christian in Egypt to being a doctor and a Christian in Michigan. What was it like and what, what, uh, how, what was it like to integrate your faith into your work as a doctor here compared to there? It's a huge difference. Here I am free to express my feeling, I am free to express my faith. There is difference between express my faith or push my faith. Because if I push my faith, I am gonna get resistant and it makes no sense. So I am free to express my faith and share it if I was invited to. And that was forbidden in Egypt. So I felt like, whoa, look at this now. Now we can do things that we were not able to do. You mentioned that your many of your patients are very diverse compared to those that might go to another place. They seem to be drawn to you and diverse in their faith backgrounds, people of other religions and so forth. So how do you uh, ensure that um, you know you're not pushing your faith, but that you're still open with it? What does that practically look like? So with the background I had, I was kind of being shocked. It's like, we are not really supposed to be friends. But it happened that um, I have more of them and I look at every one of my Muslim patients as a human that need more love, need to know more. They didn't do anything wrong. They need something that they're missing. So I feel, I feel uh, compassion and instead of animosity like I used to feel in Egypt. Probably because I don't feel I am suppressed by them here. I can, I feel free. So I started to see them for who they are, not what the, you know, the extremes pushing on, on people in Egypt. So I, I started to see people as an individual not as a religion, not as a government cause. And when you see the human as a single human, you, you dive deep into them, you can't help it but love them. 
You know, David, every, everyone has his own story. So I relate to patients through their stories. So there's not specific part. Some patients come when they talk, if they have, um, if I diagnose them with a bad illness terminal and they start weeping and crying and they don't have faith. And I did that with one of the Muslims as well. And I told her, I know we don't share the same belief, but I tell you something, we have a small group, we meet once every two weeks. We read the Bible and we pray and we believe in the power of answer a prayer when we pray in the name of Jesus. I wanna take your permission if you allow me to put your name with my small group and pray for you. And she said, please, please do. And we do that. And then, you know, I follow up with her and I said, we prayed for you. They know your name, although they don't know you, but if you connected to you, because that's what the Bible say, and I start sharing something about the Bible. And she was Muslim and she appreciated that. Then you came here and you established your practice in the hospital and then you helped start a church here. How did that come about? Tell me the story of deciding to start a church here in Detroit. And we were just looking for a church and we ended up at Stony where uh, McBeach was a pastor. And uh, there's no doubt in my mind, the first time I stepped foot in this church, I felt at home. And I, I never left, that became my, my home. And uh, as I told him, I felt since I have been here, um, I have been in a spiritual coma. And I just felt I'm awakened when I came to Stony. And we worshiped together in this church for um, five years. At the end of the five years, that's when McBeach, um, we went out together, him, Rafat, and I, and Melanie. And he said, God has called me to plant a church in Detroit. It's going to be a rough area. It's not going to be as good as where you're living. It's not going to be the same population. Would you like to pray about it? And I'm a very strong woman. I, you can't see me crying. You can't see my tears, no matter what, how hard you try. I find myself weeping. I said, I don't need time for, to pray. When we started, it was, our dream is to include, to be very inclusive. Uh, Every nation that we can include, every social and economic and educational and race, and we want it to be peace of heaven. And it's happening. It is happening. We have people that's very rich in the church sitting to somebody that's basically homeless. And you really don't feel a big difference. Everybody is so sensitive when we go to church what to dress, what to say, how to look. So we will be all like a melting pot. And I love that. I just love it. We're joined now by Santis Beatty, pastor of Mosaic Midtown and also the pastor of Dr. Hannah, who we just interviewed. But I want to start, uh, Pastor, with your move to this church because you were in a very prominent position for headquarters of the Wesleyan Church, and you decided to move to the local church. Why don't you go back and, and just take us through why you made the move? 
Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having us. Uh, first of all, it's a joy to be with you, Jeff. Um, yeah, I think you know one of the the blessings of being able to work at uh, headquarters initially is because of the experience at the local church, and uh, being able to be a part of a, a healthy multi ethnic church that was multiplying. Uh, but then you have you know time to invest in people you know all over our movement. Um, but after a while, you 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 know you begin to miss <laughs> uh, being on the front lines, right? You begin to miss, you know, not just talking to people through Zoom, <laughs> right? Who are you know thousands of miles away, but being able to to lead and be a part of a, a local church a community. And I think also the fact that um, you know what I saw in Mosaic um, really appealed to me because it wasn't just you know people trying to do church. It was really a, a group of people who wanted to live missionally and who wanted to multiply and who had a heart for um, making um, disciples. And that takes us to Dr. Hannah, because really, as I look at your website and what you guys value, and I hear you talk, she's really a living embodiment of those values. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, like you know, hearing her talk about what's happening in her office uh, alone is enough to say hallelujah. <laughs> But like what most people don't know who, who maybe don't spend time with her uh, may not be aware that like she does this in her community, like she does this in her home. Uh, I tell the story to people all the time, like when they, when they talk about the Hannahs and I come to some people in our church who are new to the church or maybe they haven't been there very long. You know, and I'm listening to their story and it's like, oh yeah, like we were at the Hannah's house <laughs> this past week. And I'm like, my God, they get to them before I do. And so it's just a sense in which, you know, they are having these, I see in you conversations. They're, they're, they're allowing people to share their story. They're, they're creating space where uh, people are given permission to, to be who they're supposed to be. And that we're the kind of church where we don't, we don't um, throw rocks, we don't cast stones, but we do want to cultivate like what you're wired to do. And you may not do it in our church, right? Like it's not about our church. Like we would much rather you be faithful and obedient to the call of God and not be a part of our church than to be a part of our church sitting in the pew and not doing what you're called to do. As I hear you talk about the Hannahs, I'm reminded of how she was talking about how she sees people as human rather than a cause or religion. Yet she also has this passion for Christ that is palpable. So what do you see in your church? What's the potential as more people fall in love with Jesus in such a way that they will meet people where they're at and love them no matter where they come from? Yeah, I think, you know, ultimately people want to be loved, right? Like people, people want to be understood. They want to be valued, you know, in the modern context of what we're dealing with right now in our, in our society, they want to be seen. And I think what makes what uh, Wafa does so powerful is she sees people. <laughs> she sees people and, and she lets them know that she sees them. And, um, and, and there's something empowering about that. Like there's something that when you're seen and you're validated and you're heard and you're understood, it causes something in you to want to become your full, a full expression of who you are. Um, but because it's it's not okay to not be that. <laughs> uh, and so we want to create that kind of culture. And I think Wi-Fi does that so well, not just in the marketplace, not just in our home, but in the context of our church as well. And uh, we're just excited to see how that's being done and, and that it gets modeled, right? Like people see that 
and they want to reproduce it. And so I'm thankful that we're celebrating her story, even though I know partially she's <laughs> she doesn't want us <laughs> to talk about her this way. Um, but I think it, it's helpful. It's helpful to hear um, how it's been done and uh, and what's behind it as well. Thanks for listening to today's episode. For more information, go to www.marketplacemultipliers.com and be on the lookout for the upcoming book edited by Dave Gurry. Join us in two weeks for the next episode of the podcast. And remember, you too can integrate your faith and influence your work for Christ.